This is Michelle Ellis, and you're listening to the Rooted TCK Podcast. Happy New Year y feliz año nuevo! Guys, the podcast is back, and I'm so excited. Did you hear that great new intro music? That is a song called Sunscreen by my friend Vic Davi. He is a PA-based musician. He was so kind to let us use his song. So I have linked his Spotify in the show notes. It'll be there on every episode. Give him a like, give him a follow, give him a listen. And without further ado, let's jump into the first episode of Season 2, 2023. Let's go! Hi, TCKs. Welcome to another episode of the Rooted TCK podcast. I am so excited about today. I'm excited about our guests. It's been a conversation that we have had for a long time to have this person on. So please help me in welcoming Joe, a TCK from Northern Asia. Joe, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. We have known each other since 2018. Is that right? And I just love that we have kept in touch over the last four years. It's been awesome to just see everything that the Lord has done in your life to be along this journey with you. But I love sharing about our friendship with other TCKs because we met at summer program. Yeah, we met at reentry. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, look, four years later, here we are still friends. So you never know when you go through retreats, when you go through reentry, when you go through summer program, I was one of the TCK staff. So you never know where those things will lead. So it's truly a family. Truly. Yeah. So as we are getting things started, I'd love to hand it over to you. If you can share just a little bit of who you are, what you're doing, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I grew up as a TCK in Northern Asia. So I lived there for my whole life. Actually, I was born overseas. I only left because I graduated high school. I came to Dallas. I live in Dallas now. I actually work at a church, which I never would have thought working in a church was very far outside what I thought. I was going to do all growing up, but I do a lot of operations and systems, which is also not what I expected myself to do, but I really love it. And I just love the things I can be involved in, like being a youth leader and just the different opportunities that I've had to develop friendships with people and also to learn more about who Jesus is by serving his church. So you said that working in a church, being involved in a church is something you never would have thought. It's not what you pictured for your life. Why is that? Tell me about that. For a really long time, I was like so confident that I knew exactly what I was supposed to do with my whole life. I have always had a 10 year plan since I was like seven. So like that just was never in my 10 year plan. I thought I was going to, you know, get a degree in intercultural studies and I was going to go be an expat in another country. I wanted to do church planting. I was so convinced that I was going to be a church plant kids pastor in Northern Africa for a really long time. But my freshman year at Sagu, I just had this encounter with Jesus that was like, I don't want to say that it was like the most life-changing thing ever. The Lord has continued to use moments like that to change my perspective and shift my perspective. But I think it was the first time that maybe I processed, Hey, is this my plan or is this God's plan? Did I ever invite Jesus into my 10 year plan or did I create a plan based on what I thought was cool or what I thought that I wanted to do? And through that moment with the Lord, he began to show me how I had tied up my identity and things that I had 
thought were correct or things that I had thought I wanted to do or things that people had told me I was good at, or people had told me that they could see me doing. And through that process with Jesus, I began to learn these are things I'm passionate about. And the Lord has given me these passions, but maybe I don't need to do exactly everything that people tell me I need to do in order to follow through with these passions. Learning that really helped shift my perspective and be like, oh, well, maybe this was not Jesus's plan. This is just my plan when I was 16. Yeah. And I think that really hits on something valuable because we do have so many expectations that are mm-hmm. placed on us for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah think that in terms of the whole identity thing, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's the TCK who, you know, because their their parents are involved, whether in church planting or kids ministry, they're expats living overseas. We get asked that a lot of, oh, are you going to do the same things your parents do? And so sometimes our identity gets wrapped up in that, where we're like, I'm going to chase after that, you know, but we don't, like you said, we don't invite Jesus into, is this what you've invited me to do? Or there's the other side where for those very same reasons and because of the challenges that come along with living overseas and doing work overseas where you run in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So so how, how would you break some of that down? Those expectations of what your identity should be versus the Lord really making that clear to you who he has made you specifically to be. I think for me, it kind of started, I think a little bit before maybe when I realized it was starting, where like just different leaders that I trusted would say, hey, I see this quality in you, you know, and it was a quality that didn't fit in my 10 year plan. And I was like, well, maybe you're wrong. (laughs) And the Lord began to unravel some of the things of, hey, what if you're the one who's wrong? You know, just turned 18. I just moved out. I was so convinced I knew what was going on. It was a moment for me to really just sit down and process with the Lord. Okay. What things do I believe about myself that maybe are true? And what things do I believe about myself that maybe are not true? And I think a lot of TCKs that I've talked to as they leave the field, they almost do have this miniature identity crisis of, oh my gosh, this was who I was for so long. I was these people's kids, you know? And now that you don't live at home, it's like, who am I? That sparked this unraveling and deconstruction. Like, shoot, now I am at this mega church in Dallas, which is not even the district I'm from. And nobody knows who my parents are in one sense. That's so relieving. And it's like nice to be able to go in and people aren't asking you all these questions and people don't have maybe ulterior motives of why they think you're cool. In one sense, I think it was nice to be able to be going somewhere completely unknown. But I think the other part of me, and this was absolutely my high school pride was like, shoot, nobody knows who I am. What does that make me now? I was so used to walking into places and people are like, oh, that's this expat's kid. And my mom had worked in our district before they moved overseas. So everybody knew my last name. I was so used to walking into places and people knowing who I was. And so walking into this place and being unknown. In the one sense, I think it was a huge relief and it allowed me space to really deconstruct the lies I'd believed because it was a safe place. There was no preconceived notion of who I was supposed to be from the people around me. There was no expectation of this is who you're supposed to be. And this is what you're supposed to do from the people around me, you know, cause there wasn't really a context for that. So it allowed a safe space for me to process that. But realizing if people are like, Oh, who are you? I can't be like, Oh, yep. I'm their kid. You know, people don't know who they are. It became an opportunity for me to truly process with the Lord. Who am I then? If I'm not actually called to these things I thought I was called to, 
and different circumstances arose that made it very clear that that was not the Lord's plan for my life. And it became almost like this void where I was stuck and I was like, I don't know, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? I was so convinced that this was my destiny and this was my future, but these circumstances have come up and the Lord has made it very clear. Okay, that's not who and what I've called you to be and what I've called you to walk in. So it was this process of, okay, if that's not correct, what is correct? And how do I find out what the Lord has asked me to do and who the Lord has called me to be? So I want to get to that part too, but I think what you were talking about with now you're living somewhere that's not your district. So you're unknown in that sense, which is so yeah. freeing, you know, to find out, be like, yeah. oh, so-and-so's daughter, you're so-and-so's son, especially that first year of college when mm-hmm. that's really the breaking of your TCK identity for a lot of TCKs, not yeah. all, but for a lot of them. That's the breaking of it because for so long, you you come to realize that you have been standing on something that's not a firm foundation. You're right. standing on that TCK identity of I'm going back and forth. I'm so-and-so's daughter. I'm so-and-so's sibling. I'm so-and-so's niece or, you know, there's all of these things that we attach to our identity that are true statements. Yeah. In my case, I am Dave and Carol Ellis's daughter. I am... Richard and Sharon's granddaughter. I am Rick and Laurel's niece. I am these things, but those aren't the things I can stand on. And those aren't the things that are going to sustain me in life. What's going to sustain me is knowing that, yes, I'm Dave and Carolis's daughter, but I'm also a daughter of our heavenly father. That's the thing that that is going to carry me when life is difficult, when life is challenging, when I don't at all understand the culture of Dallas, of SAGU, of the States. <laughs> when I don't understand those things, that TCK identity, it no longer holds me. Right. It no longer serves its purpose that it once held. So I, as you were talking, I was thinking about the lies that TCKs believe about their identity. I'd like to maybe unpack some of those. There's a lot of things, obviously, we can hit on Some things may apply to some more than others based on their unique experiences and perspectives, even the culture that they grew up in. You and I grew up in very different cultures, but if you can, from your own experiences and from your own journey of deconstructing that TCK identity, what would some of those things be? The lies that you see TCKs believe? Yeah, I think... One thing that helped me really deconstruct those lies even more was actually I went to ski retreat. We were actually given a book that the speaker wrote. He had been a TCK and he was also a psychologist and he wrote this book called I Have to Be Perfect. And it's 10 lies that TCKs believe about themselves. And reading through that really helped me almost finalize that deconstruction. It was perfect timing where the Lord had already started to unravel things and open my heart to the idea that maybe my identity was based in something that it should not have been. So then as I read through this book, it was like Jesus is saying, here are the things that you're believing. I think that for me, I have to have my life together because if I don't have my life together, then people won't support my parents. That kind of played into this idea of when I was in high school or middle school, when people would say, oh, are you going to be just like your mom? Especially in my home district where my parents were both really already well-known in our district. And then to come back on our fundraising trips, it was just like, I had to say yes, you know, like, of course I'm going to be just like my parents, because if I say no, then in my head, I was like, oh, I'm letting you down. And that's going to have a negative effect on my parents. I think another lie that I believed very strongly was it's not okay. If I'm not okay, 
Like I have to be okay because if I'm not okay, I can't show Jesus well. And I think I had this idea that I have to present myself to the people in our field. I have to look perfect and I have to act like my life is together and I have to act like nothing is wrong because if I'm struggling at all, then they're not going to think that Jesus is real because if Jesus was real, I wouldn't be struggling with this. You know, that was a really big one for me. I pushed a lot of things down that maybe I probably should have dealt with a lot sooner. I didn't have conversations that I needed to have because I didn't want people to think that I was broken. And I didn't want people to think that I was hurting because in my head, like, oh, if the TCK is hurting, then whatever Jesus they serve isn't real you know, because surely she wouldn't be hurting if there was a real God, you know? And so I think I had this perspective of, I have to be okay. And it's not okay for me to hurt. And it's not okay for me to feel like there's something wrong. And it's maybe not okay for me to feel my emotions about a situation. I think that was a big one was like, it's not okay for me to feel my emotions. I think that kind of encompasses a lot. It encompasses a lot of like It's not okay for me to struggle with mental illness because that is maybe in my head. That's not a good representation of Jesus, which is not true by any means. But growing up, that was a lie that I believed. It's not okay for me to have anything wrong mentally because then people are going to think Jesus isn't real. It's not okay for me to be sad or upset or angry ever because then people are going to think that my parents lied and God didn't call us here. Or it's not okay for me to show these emotions because people are going to think that there's something wrong in our family and Jesus isn't present, you know? And I think there were a lot of very deep rooted things and none of them are true. Yeah, It's totally okay for me to feel all those emotions and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I believe that I had to present myself in this way of saying, I'm always okay. I'm always happy. Nothing's ever wrong because if anything is ever wrong, you won't believe that Jesus is real or you won't believe that Jesus can save, or you won't believe that Jesus can heal. That's why I had to present myself in a way that said nothing is ever wrong and nothing is ever bad because otherwise the people around me won't see Jesus in that, which is not true. I think it's through those things that they do get to see Jesus even more because they see that the way that Jesus is comforting us or the way that he does heal and the way that he does move when we literally can't do anything. And so I think that was a huge lie that I believed that maybe even prevented some things that Jesus could have done through me, even as a child, I had just held on to those. And when I graduated and I was like freshman in college, just moved States, just moved countries don't really know what I'm doing. There's already that uncertainty of, I just went to college, which is compounded by, I believed all of these things were true because I was a TCK. Now I'm like, like, am I still a TCK? That was the big one too, was like, am I even still a TCK? And I think I learned I might not be on the field right now. And that's okay. I don't have to be, I don't have to be called to that just because my mom was, or just because my dad was, but being a TCK does play such a huge part into my story and how the Lord spoke to me and how the Lord did things in my life and the things that I saw the Lord do. And like, because I was in this weird place of, oh, well, I don't know if I'm a TCK. It was almost like, well, am I still supposed to believe these things about myself? Is it still okay to have emotions now that my parents aren't affected? Or do I still have to have it together because people know that I was a TCK? And it was like this battle of, oh my gosh, now I'm free. 
but am I actually free? Because now it's all these lies I've been believing. And I believed them for so long that they had like such a strong hold over my mindset and my perspective. Yeah, man, as you were sharing some of the things that you believed about yourself growing up, definitely a lot resonated with me too. And it's interesting, you know, the whole, I have to be perfect. I can't show my emotions. I can't show my negative emotions, I should say. Right. You know, I'm not allowed to feel sad or angry or frustrated or scared. Those things I can definitely relate to. I think a lot of TCKs, a lot of our listeners can certainly relate to those. So there's some big ones. And what's interesting, as you were sharing, I, in my personal experience, I know this isn't the case for all, but I think it's the case for a lot of us that sometimes it's not even that those things are always like explicitly communicated to us. It's not always like, hey, you're not allowed to show these things, but it's right. something that we feel. It's still an expectation that is somehow placed on us. It's a pressure that we live under to be the put together TCK all the time and thankful for the Lord's kindness and his grace and compassion towards us. Because I know we we both know, but there are still plenty of TCKs who are navigating all of this where, as you were talking like, man, these are such lies of the enemy. What makes me think that just because the Lord has allowed and chosen me to be a TCK where I am with my family, like what makes me think that one, that I, something that I can do is going to deter his ability to provide the support that my family needs to connect the work that he has called them to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, what, I'm not powerful enough in any of my emotions. It doesn't matter how angry I may get or what kind of displays I may show at a church. Like, sure, maybe that church won't be as supportive, but maybe they'll also see like, this is not an excusing statement. This is not just sure. go into a church and throw a tantrum. Act up. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they'll recognize like, man, this family is going through a lot. Like, how can we better support them through these challenging things that they are facing? Yeah. You know? The Lord is so much bigger and so much more creative than we can realize, especially as young TCKs. Mm -hmm. He can do immeasurably more than we can begin to think or imagine, you know, and he created us to have emotions, you know, yeah. I love thinking, I mean, we see it throughout scripture in many cases, obviously an easy one that we pull from when we talk about emotions is the Psalms. Yeah. A lot of those Psalms attributed to David and seeing his range of emotions. And that's a beautiful thing for us to learn from because it's, it almost creates a guide and it almost gives us permission in a sense, feel the things we feel like David was a man after God's own heart. David was king. Like if this leader of a nation is able to have the freedom to express his worries, his fears, his frustrations, how much more am I child, a TCK? How much more am I allowed to feel these things? Yeah. Yeah. I think another lie, like even as we're talking that I'm realizing I believed for so long, this is something I'm still unraveling now. I was talking to a counselor about it last week and it happened to come up and it was just like this life-changing perspective of, I believed for so long that I was abnormal. I think to process and to cope with this idea that I wasn't normal, I almost began to take pride in the fact that, oh, I'm abnormal. It became 
something I really struggled with and almost an insecurity of, oh, do people even want to be my friend because I'm not normal, you know? And as I left the field and I came back to the US and I started to adapt back into American culture and working at a church and the things in college, I just always had this thing in the back of my head of how long are they going to be my friend before they realize I'm not normal and they leave. And it was this fear of abandonment that was rooted in this identity that I had of I'm not normal and I will never be normal. And it like came up in a counseling session and my counselor was telling me normal is so subjective. Every single person has a different level of normal. There's not really a, like there are societal norms and there are like things that are common among different social groups or different societies. And that's different than being normal. And she was telling me just because your normal was moving every four years, like that was normal for you. And that's okay. That's normal. My counselor's normal was not moving all the time, but that was my normal. Just because it wasn't her normal did not make me weird. It did not make me abnormal. It just meant that we had different life experiences. And I think that was something that I had allowed myself to be defined by for so long. Maybe it started as a kid when we were in a church and someone was like, that's weird. Who knows how that started? Somehow I let myself believe that I was abnormal and it opened the door for so many other things to come in of oh, well, if I'm abnormal, maybe people don't want to be my friend. And that brought in a lot of insecurity and that brought in a fear of abandonment that brought in room for more lies to say, oh, well, you don't deserve friends or you're not worthy of people that just opens the door to more. And I think maybe I didn't even do well of taking that in high school to the Lord and saying, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Is this true? Because I think our feelings are valid, but they're not always based in truth. And I think that was not something I was ever good at is like aligning my feelings with the truth of God's word because I wasn't intentional in the way that I did that. It opened the door for me to believe these lies longer than I ever needed to. Yeah, that's so good. It really is, you know, when we in meaning to or not open ourselves up to believing lies about ourselves that the Lord never said about us. It becomes this breeding ground for all kinds of other lies. You know, it's like a domino effect. I love what you said too about we can validate our feelings like, okay, I'm feeling this, but also let's not just get stuck and let's not just like pit to our feelings of I'm feeling this about myself, about my situation. Let's take that back to scripture. And sometimes there's that inner battle of Mm -hmm. this is what I'm feeling about myself. I think that's a lifelong journey. Even as an adult, even for me, there's times where I, a a thought pops into my head and I'm starting to feel maybe a certain way about myself, but I have to intentionally learn to say, okay, is this what God says about me? No. So while I may feel this, I have to live out what the truth of who God says I am. And even when you were talking about the feeling abnormal, (laughs) you know, I love that too, because I think so often as TCKs, we crave being normal. You know, we, I remember like, I can like picture myself as a teenager in my room and just those moments of being like, man, I just wish I was normal. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah. Like I now, when people ask me like, oh, what was it like growing up as a TCK? What's What was it like growing up where you did? A lot of times it's hard for me to answer because that was my normal. Like it was so right. normal that I don't know how to like express it to someone who that's yeah. not their normal, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that's helpful too, that we recognize like 
our experiences as abnormal as it may seem to others, like sure. normal and yeah. that's okay. And your normal was so different than my normal. Right. Right. Yeah. I think normalizing <laughs> that <laughs> abnormal is really subjective. Like yeah. that's a helpful thing because as teenagers, the last thing you want is to like have a weird bullseye on your back to be the like show yes. that doesn't fit in and you know, there, there are times in life, you're not going to fit in TCK or not, you know, but even, even that, like, I was just talking about this earlier this morning with someone else as followers of Jesus, as believers in Jesus, we're not called <laughs> to like go the status quo of what culture says. You yeah. Know? Like, there's even almost some sort of a like hidden blessing in yeah. growing up the way that we did where because we have lived such, I know we were just talking about like, hey, we're not abnormal, but like a quote unquote abnormal life, you know, there's something unique about that, that the Lord can use of like, hey, I'm kind of used to not being the one that like fits in that blends in, you know, because we're not called to that as believers and as followers of Jesus. Yeah, I'm reminded of first Peter two, nine and 10, where the Lord is even speaking through Peter and telling us we're called to be set apart. And we're called to be set apart for God to honor him and to proclaim his glory and to be set apart as a holy nation and a royal priesthood. And that's not just us as a case, that is the whole body of Christ, but it does offer us a unique perspective of what does that look like to be set apart? I think for me, part of what I also struggled with was it was really easy for me to forget that I was included in the body of Christ. I think it was really easy for me. Like if you think about God's kingdom in like medieval terms, it was really easy for me to like use this mindset of, oh, well, I'm just supposed to go take ground for the kingdom. And so I have to be willing to sacrifice things that are important to me. At one time, that was my mental health. I'd be willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. And one thing, I think it was even through Michelle, like we were having a conversation at a summer program and we were just processing what things we believe about God that aren't true. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing like, hey, I have this perspective that God has put me on the outside to go win ground, but maybe he doesn't care about me. And that was like why that I didn't even realize I had been believing for so long of I'm just supposed to go help people get saved. But what I am going through doesn't matter to God. Like that's not true, but I had believed that it was true for so long. And I had like adopted this mindset of if I sacrifice things, it's okay. I have to help other people not sacrifice things. But truly, like, because I'm also in the body of Christ, like, it doesn't do the kingdom of God any benefit to sacrifice this part of the kingdom in order to get that part of the kingdom. I think that even is a reminder of we are all called as the body of Christ to be set apart, but set apart together as a holy nation and as a royal priesthood, as a group of people who is like, working together. And that means that we are just as valuable to God as the non-TCK. And we are just as valuable to God as the person who isn't saved. I think one thing that I really struggled with and like, it took me a long time to unlearn this was in my head. I was not as valuable to God as the unsaved person. And as a non-believer in my head, because this was my parents' job, like they were more important than I was. And that is not biblical. The Lord does not tell us that anywhere in scripture, but that was something I believed. And even as I was talking with you in 2018 about this idea of sacrificing things or being willing to sacrifice myself, even though that's not 
what God asks us to do. We can't sacrifice ourselves to save anybody. Only Jesus can do that. I think we were even talking about this verse of being called together to be set apart as a priesthood and as a holy nation. But that idea of being set apart doesn't mean we are less valuable or we are next in line to be sacrificed after Jesus. It just means that we have the honor of being able to know firsthand what Jesus did and how important that is. And as a group of people to be able to represent that and say like, I can't die and save you, but somebody else could let me show you his love and let me show you his character through the way that I live my life. Yeah, that's good. I was literally just having this conversation with someone else about, about that lie of, I am here to give to other people. You know, I exist so that I can point people to Jesus, but he's not really, he's giving to me so that I can give to others, which yeah. there is an element we do receive sure. give, but he also gives because he delights in giving good things yeah. to his people, to his children, you know? And so I think that is another like sneaky little thing that slips in there where somehow along the way, again, it's not something that. I, I don't feel for most of us that it's like explicitly ever said, you know, the enemy is a liar and he knows those places in your life that he can creep in because of your specific circumstances. So maybe for us yeah. to obey the call and invitations to go overseas, to live as expats, to live in all these different ways and to point people to Jesus, creative ways and traditional ways he can sneak in there and create this lie in our mind of, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so, but like there's a disconnect. I I say it pretty regularly that our heads know, but our hearts forget. Yeah. Hearts are so quick to forget that God wants to give to me because he delights in me. He loves me, you know? And yeah, as a byproduct, I now have something to give to someone else, but loves to give to me. He loves to give to you. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because it's something that's come up with a couple people lately. I think sometimes learning to think about what we're thinking about and learning to think about how am I viewing God right now? Because sometimes we don't realize like how untruthful and how harmful our yeah. thoughts and beliefs about God are and our thoughts and beliefs about how he views us. Are. Right. You know, so learning to unpack those things. So, so what would be some practical steps that from your experiences, you could maybe give to TCKs who are listening, who are starting to recognize, oh, I believe that too. And yeah, Yeah. right, that is a lie. I think the first thing that I had to do, and this took a lot of humility, and I wish I could say that the moment I realized this is what I needed to do, I did it, but that's not true. I knew this is what I needed to do. And I postponed it for so long. Maybe I was afraid. Maybe I was I think partly I was afraid of losing the identity that I had. I knew the identity that I had was not based in the right things. And I knew the identity that I had was not correct, but I was afraid of losing the only sense of identity that I had. And so I think I hesitated a lot longer than I should have out of pride and fear. But the first thing I really had to do was open myself up and say, okay, Jesus, some of these thought patterns that I've had, I know that they don't line up with the Bible. And I know that you're consistent and your word is constant. So I know that if it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not because you changed your mind. It's because I have a wrong thought pattern or I have an incorrect perspective. And I had to sit down and I had to say like, okay, Lord, show me the places where I'm thinking the wrong things about myself. 
or show me the places that I'm thinking the wrong things about you. And that took a lot longer than I wanted it to. That was like a several month process of me like journaling and saying, okay, I noticed this today, but that doesn't, that's not in the Bible. So let's pray about that. It also took me being willing and being humble to allow leaders and people that I trusted, my parents, my pastors to say, Hey, I'm seeing this in you. And I don't think that's who the Lord has made you to be. So let's work on that. And I had to allow my heart to be humbled and allow people to call me out when I was wrong and say, because I love you. I don't want you to walk in an identity that is not based in Christ. So I'm going to tell you that you're doing this wrong. And they said it in a very loving way, but I had to allow people to come in and call me out. And I had to like offer that trust to people. And that's not easy to do when you feel like you didn't have consistent pastors. I did not have consistent pastors in my life. Like I had my parents, my parents are amazing, but I did not have like pastors who were consistent. I grew up in a very sensitive region. And so it was like, there were no pastors. There was no church. There was no nothing. I really had to be willing to like take a step of faith and offer that trust to somebody that I didn't know very well. I just moved to Dallas, but I had to be willing to say, Hey, I am willing to let you call me out because I know that the Lord is speaking to you. And I know that you're praying for me. I had to let the Lord show me who those people were going to be because I wanted to make sure that the people who are going to be speaking into my life and the people who are going to be calling me out on things that they had the best intentions. And that's not to say that there are people that I worked for, or there are people around me who didn't have good intentions, just that maybe they didn't fully understand the season that I was in of this identity deconstruction. And a lot of it, I had to hear from the Lord, just myself, like people could tell me things and like you and I had so many conversations about this of like, is that biblical? Like, is that who God has called you to be? Are you sure that's in alignment with scripture? But I had to also hear that from the Lord and say, okay, this is what they said. It's also in the Bible. And I feel like this is really something maybe I need to work on. So I think that was my first step was just allowing myself to be open to the word of God and to other people speaking into me and saying, Hey, because I love you, I'm going to tell you that this is not right. Also, I had to realize that the Lord put me in this place because he loves me. And it was like, the Lord pulled me out of a false identity and he showed me that my identity was incorrect. And he put me into a place of deconstruction, not because he wanted me to feel like my world was falling apart and not because he wanted me to doubt the things that I thought that I knew. And it wasn't because he thought it was fun that I was really struggling. It was not that the Lord was so cruel that he wanted me to go through this, but he wanted me to go through it because he loves me and because he knew, Hey, if I can pull Joe out of this false identity and I can root her identity in me, then there's so much more she can do. There's so much more that she can grow in because now she knows who she is. And she has confidence knowing that the identity is built on a rock instead of sand. Yeah. And like the thing I had to be willing to accept is that the only identity built in rock is in Jesus. Anything else I choose to place my identity in is not going to be a firm foundation. And that took me a long time to accept. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. And we were just talking before recording this episode, we were catching up and talking about things. And that was one of the things we talked about that, that mm-hmm. God is the builder. He's the one with the yeah. blueprint we're talking about in your life. He's got the blueprint all made out. He is building things and growing things and he's precise and purposeful, just like architects and engineers need to be so precise in their planning and their building or else what will happen to that building that they are working on. Right. That's how the Lord operates too, you know? And so I love that you're hitting on that. It's a huge thing that I keep going back to in a lot of my conversations that has been coming up on the episodes a lot. The Lord is purposeful and he's kind to us. And sometimes his kindness comes with some growing pains and sometimes it comes stretching and sometimes it comes with that deconstruction of ooh like i believed this for so long about myself and there's a cutting away of that and that hurts yeah i remember my first year of college at sagu going through a hard time talking about it with my ra and she talked about god is the potter and if we are the clay he knows what he is trying to mold us and shape us into but sometimes there has to be like a chipping away at pieces mm-hmm. that no longer serve a purpose yeah and it created this picture in my mind that i held on to for so long when i was going through some of those pain points where i would just picture jesus with a little knife in his hand just chipping away little pieces that i had made a part of me for yeah. so long that i said this is part of my identity as this vase that he is shaping yeah. But really, he was like, no, it's not. (laughs) That's not part of who you are. You know, let me chip it away so that I can form you into the image and the idea that I have for you, because that's a beautiful thing. So with this and you, well, you are hitting on so many great things. Before I get to some of the final questions, I do want to also ask, we talked a lot about the chipping away, the deconstruction, the lies, the things that you did, some practical steps. But what is something kind of the flip side of the lies. What are a couple of truths that you can share with our listeners that the Lord replaced those former lies of your identity and he replaced it with his truth? What would those things be? Yeah. I think it is really important to replace the lie. Scripture tells us that when we are removing something, we have to put the truth in its place in order for that thing to not come back and take a stronger foothold. And so I think it is really important to be like willing to say, Okay, not just that I know that this isn't true, but that I'm going to be intentional and say, this isn't true. I'm removing it. And instead I'm putting this truth in. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of things that the Lord really spoke to me are like, I truly am a child of God. And we know that. And it sounds so kindergarten when you say that, because we've grown up knowing that we're children of God. But I think something that the Lord has truly shown me recently is what does it mean to be a child of God? It's more than just saying, in a song or quoting a verse or telling somebody like, oh yeah, I'm a child of God. But even understanding, dude, the God who created things and who intentionally placed every single star, who knows every name of every star, like the same God who created the heavens and the earth, who has been so intentional in developing the story of time, the same one who spoke to Abraham and told Abraham about his descendants and the same one who created every single grain of sand, that same God, we know his power. We can see it in creation. We can see it in the Bible and we know that he is King, but what does it mean to be his child? More than just serving the Lord, he desires relationship with us. Like he was our parent and like, he's our dad. 
And we have access to that personal relationship with him because we are his children. And that's not something that we've earned, but it's something that he's given to us. And even Romans tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ. And that is meaning that we're inheriting the power of God alongside Jesus and Jesus as our older brother, if you will, he conquered death, but we're co-heirs and the Lord is giving us that same inheritance. That was a really big one that changed my mindset of, Hey, I don't have to walk in fear and insecurity because I have confidence and authority that my dad is giving me because he loves me, not because I earned it. And one thing that I even mentioned to you earlier is I really had to learn and it took a long time for me to learn this, but once I learned it, it helped a lot is even when my season changes, God does not. And even when my time as a TCK ended, the God that loved me did not change. And he didn't love me because I was a TCK. Like he loved me because I was Joe and I was his daughter. And that was what mattered to him was that I was his child. Not that I was a TCK and what mattered to God was not the things I had accomplished or the ministry that I had done, but it was just who I was. Even when my seasonal callings changed for a time, I was called to be a TCK with my parents. And then I was called to be an undergraduate student at SAGU. And now I'm called to be in the position that I'm in. And even when those seasonal callings change, the character of God does not. And because the character of God does not change, who we are in Jesus will remain the same, even though our circumstances change understanding that that's constant and I don't have to rediscover God every time something in my life changes. I don't have to redefine who I am every single time there's a change. I think knowing that there was consistency helps me a lot to know, Hey, I learned this in this season, just because I'm in a new season, that's not changing. It is now be the foundation that I get to continue building upon. So just because I deconstructed my identity when I was an undergrad student, now that I'm not an undergrad student, like that doesn't mean that I have to re-deconstruct everything. I have to completely tear things apart and relearn who I am. It just means that foundation I built of basing my identity in the Lord. Now I get to build on that. And in my next season, the things that I'm learning about God and the things that I'm learning about myself now, like that's going to build on and it's going to carry to the next season where I get to continue to build onto that and build higher because it's constant and it's based in the character of God and it's based in his word, which is consistent and which doesn't change. That's so good. Some of you listeners, I think you need to replay some of that (laughs) and take it in wrestle with it, let it simmer, let it absorb and really start taking action steps in your life for that. So you have kind of hit on what I was going to ask as a wrapping up question, but if there's anything you want to add in addition to, are there any other things that through the transitions, we Mm. are no stranger to transition (laughs) through transitions through, you know, the challenges, through the wrestling of the lies that we believe about our identity, about who God is, are there any other things that that you would like to add of, of how you stay rooted in your Christ identity, that you stay rooted in who, not just who God says you are, but who he says he is, because yeah. that's ultimately what we're basing everything on is I can stand confident in who God says I am, because ultimately I'm standing confident on who God says he is faithful and true to his word does not return void. So everything he says about me, I can stand in confidence that these are the things that I am, even when I don't feel it. Yeah. Any other things that you would like to add? Cause you did kind of hit on it. I think 
the thing that's helped me most maybe recently is my consistency as well. I know that God is consistent and I know that God doesn't change. And I know that God is faithful to me, even when I'm not faithful to him, that we see that all the time in scripture, in Genesis with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob's descendants, God was so faithful even when they were not. But what helps me to see his faithfulness more is my faithfulness to him. And as I remain constant and consistent and saying, Hey, there's a transition. And for me personally, times of transition are like so hard for me to connect with the Lord because I'm so caught up in my emotions about the situation, or I'm so caught up in, in this detail or that detail. It's really hard for me to prioritize the Lord in times of transition. But what I've learned is when I can keep my priorities straight and I can be faithful and consistent with the Lord, I'm able to see his consistency and faithfulness more. Not that he is more faithful when there's time of transition or not that he's more faithful when there's no transition, but when I'm faithful to him, I get to see that more and I get to learn more of his character in that. And like, I think my faithfulness and consistency in my time with the Lord is what solidifies that identity for me because I'm hearing him and I'm hearing his voice again. And he's saying, and he's reminding me of like who he is and who I am and like what it looks like to be a child of God and what it looks like to be an heir with Christ. And I think just like my faithfulness to him shows me more of his faithfulness to me. And it inspires me to continue believing and it inspires me to continue being faithful because I can see the character of God in a new way. Yeah. Isn't that cool? The more that we not just know of God, the more that we really know God, the yeah. more want to know God, the more it makes us want to tap into all the things that he says is already available to us. That's some good points. So as we are coming to a close, I first I want to ask our fun question that we ask all of our guests, but then just so that you have a moment to prepare yourself, because I didn't mention this beforehand, but I'd love afterwards before we like wrap and close things out. I'd love for you to just pray for our listeners, especially those who or maybe in that place, they're maybe starting to recognize because of this conversation, the lies that they have been believing. Maybe mm-hmm. they're still unsure. Maybe they're, they've been wrestling and they're coming out of it. But, but if you can pray for any listeners that, that really have resonated with this yeah. episode, but before we get to that, our fun question, if you could share with us a bucket list country or experience that you would yeah. say like to have in the Latin America, Caribbean region. I have never been to any of the LAC countries, which is so sad because I've wanted to for so long, but I think my bucket list would be, I would really love to go to Brazil. I don't really have a reason. I just really want to. I feel like I would have so much fun and I feel like I have some friends who have like from Brazil or have been to Brazil and just their stories of the, like I have a friend who is a Brazilian native who works at the church that I do. And so even hearing her stories of the way that she grew up and the way that Jesus was real to her, I think it would be so cool to be able to go and almost experience a side of Jesus that I'm so unfamiliar with because I think different cultures highlight different aspects of who God is. And it's not that one culture is more correct than another, but we just all see different things about God. I've come from two very different perspectives. I've come from a very Eastern perspective. And then I also have a lot of Western American perspective as well. I would love to be able to see Jesus from a different perspective and like having had conversations with some friends from there. I would just love to get to know the Jesus that she knows. Let's get you down to Brazil. We can make that happen. 
Awesome. Okay. If you can go ahead and pray for our listeners. Lauren, I thank you so much for this opportunity that I've gotten to just build a friendship with Michelle and through that to just even start to build a friendship with all of the TCKs who are listening. Jesus, I pray for them in this season of maybe they're coming out of an identity deconstruction. Maybe they're coming into an identity deconstruction, or maybe that's not even a concept they've ever processed before. God, I pray that you would speak truth into their lives, Jesus, that you would place people strategically to be able to speak truth and to call things out of them. Maybe that's calling out things that are not of your character that need to be adjusted, God, or maybe that's things that are of your character that they need to rise up to the challenge of saying, Hey, I'm seeing this gift in you. Let's practice this. Or, Hey, I'm seeing this aspect of God in you. And that's valuable. Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts to be willing to receive your instruction as we are growing to be more like you, God, that we would be open and humble to receiving that correction from you and to be receiving deconstruction and reconstruction that comes from your Holy Spirit guiding us as we walk closer with you. Jesus, I pray that you would speak clearly to our identities as children of God, that you would speak clearly to our identities as co-heirs with Christ Jesus, that you would remind us that you're speaking these things out of a place of love, not out of a place of cruelty. And Jesus, that you are speaking these things because you want us to know you more, not because you are some cryptic being that we have to chase to find, but that you are so near and so present and that we have the ability to enter into your presence and to meet with you and speak with you and hear from you. Jesus, I pray blessing over every single person who's listening to this, God. And I pray that as they go about the rest of their day and the rest of their week, God, that you would be close to them and that you would be speaking to them. Jesus, that you would highlight things that they need to grow in, highlight things that they are learning that are just exhibiting more of your character, Jesus, that you would highlight spiritual gifts that they have that you want to continue to give them, or maybe new things you want them to walk in. Jesus, we surrender our identities to you. We say that your will be done. God, we trust your plan above our own. And God, we pray all of this in your name. We honor you and we glorify you in advance for the work that you are doing in and through us. Amen. Thank you so much, Joe. I love you. You love know, I'm super cheering you on for all the things, but thanks for being a part of this. And TCK, love you guys too. And we look forward to getting to talk to you guys again soon. Ciao. Bye.